this passage that we're about to read is set in Jerusalem. And at the time, Jerusalem was crowded. It was heaving because there were people, uh, visitors from all over the place come to celebrate a massive Jewish festival. And um, Jesus had been crucified, died, was buried. He'd risen again. And he was going around basically revealing himself on multiple occasions. On one time, um, he revealed himself to a, a group of over 500 people on one occasion, telling people that he was alive. He's, he was risen from the dead. And uh, on one occasion, he goes to his disciples and he was eating with them. And it says in Acts 1, so before we get to our passage, he says he gave this command to his disciples. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. So you've got the apostles, the other believers. You've got Jesus's family. You've got um, Mary and Jesus's um, brothers with him. So they didn't head back, having been at this festival, they didn't head back home, but they stayed where they were in Jerusalem. They went back to their Airbnb that they'd rented for the time in that place, and um, they waited. They waited because that's what Jesus had told them to do. They waited, and they prayed, and they waited, and they prayed. There were 120 of them in all, and uh, we pick up the story in chapter 2. So Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, The sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and and Asia... Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what the prophet um, was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my, my spirit on those days. And they will prophesy. And let's skip to verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will save. 
And perhaps you're asking that same question that they were asking in verse um, 12. You know, what does this mean? What does this passage mean? How can something that happened over 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 miles away, be relevant for, for me, for you, wherever you are today, in London or wherever you are joining us online? We're going to spend the next few weeks talking about, looking at what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. We're going to be looking at what the Word says about the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, the mission of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit, the gifts, the unity of the Holy Spirit. But today, on Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Easter, 50 days after the ascension, the resurrection of Jesus, we celebrate when the Holy Spirit was poured out. But why? Why? What difference does the Holy Spirit make? Well, first, it's through the Holy Spirit that we can encounter God's presence. It says in verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. But in this passage, the, the presence of God is described in two ways. First, wind, and secondly, then fire. When you come to faith, when you become a Christian, when you put your faith in Jesus, it's like God breathes his new life within you. The Holy Spirit comes to live within you. His presence is with you. And the Holy Spirit never leaves. He stays there. And he's there forever. And the, the Hebrew word for wind is ruach. And it means the wind or breath. The wind or breath of God. If I take this balloon and I blow into it. It's, it's full of air. There's nothing else in here. It's full of air. Now, you might be just thinking, I'm a Christian. I've got the Holy Spirit within me. I'm good. But actually, there's, there's more room. It's more full. And you might be thinking, actually, I'm, I'm pretty good. I feel like my spiritual life is on track. I feel like I'm doing really well, reading my Bible. I feel like I'm praying a lot. I feel like I'm really good. But there's more room. You might be thinking, no, to be honest, I'm on fire today. It's Pentecost Sunday. I've been up since 6.30. I've been praying. I've been joining with thy kingdom come. I'm feeling so close to God. Like I'm ready for anything today. I'm so pumped. But the truth is, there's room for more. Now, this is slightly where the analogy breaks down a little bit, because I'm actually not going to blow it up anymore, because it might explode. But... Um, that you won't explode. That's why, that's why the analogy breaks down. There is always more. There is always more for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God loves to pour out. There you go, Martin. God loves to pour out his Holy Spirit. It's not just a trickle. It talks about a pour. And that's what happened at Pentecost. Do you want more? Do you want more of God? Do you want more of his presence? Do you want more of his power in you? He wants to breathe new life in you today. So the, so the presence of God is described like the wind. It's unseen, but you can feel and you can experience the presence of God. And then the second way God's presence is described in this passage is fire. And in the Old Testament, Fire is used to symbolize God's presence. And there's a parallel going here between the Old Testament and the New Testament. As I've already said, 
Pentecost, there was a major Jewish festival going on. They had come to celebrate um, the end of the barley harvest and the beginning of the wheat harvest. Also, some Jewish traditions were coming to celebrate um, the time when the Ten Commandments were given, when the law was given, and that's what they were doing um, in Jerusalem. So some 1,300 years before, they were gathered together at that time to celebrate that. In Exodus 19... Verse 18 to 19, it says, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. So when the Ten Commandments were given, there was fire and there was noise. And that's what happened at Pentecost. There was noise and there was fire. Same God, different mountain. On Mount Sinai, it was the law that was given. On Mount Zion, it was the spirit that was given. But God doesn't do away with the law. Jesus says, I, have come, I haven't come to do away with the law, but to fulfill the law. But the only way we can keep the law is by the Holy Spirit, putting our faith in Jesus, receiving the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that makes us holy. But in the Old Testament, the presence of God, the fire of God, was always in one place. One place, like the pillar of um, fire or the burning bush. It was one place, one particular person, Moses. And so at Pentecost, you might expect, actually, out of all that crowd, that actually it would fall onto one person, Peter, head of the church. If anyone's going to get this fire of God, it's going to be him. And he's going to receive this amazing anointing. But we read in verse 3, it says, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. The presence of God came to rest on every single one of them. Every single one of the 120, so much so that it drew a whole crowd. They all received the passion of God, the purity of God, the power of God at Pentecost. So it's through the Holy Spirit that we can encounter God's presence. Secondly, it's through the Holy Spirit that we can experience God's love. It says in verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. I recently heard actually this week a man who was um, struggling with anxiety and he was doing this interview and it was in the context of um, Mental Health Awareness Week which was earlier this month and he described how he had been a Christian, he had sort of faith between the ages of about 12 and 19 um, but that he, so he sort of had this little flame of belief but that it was, it was quite dim at the moment. And he talked about his life. He talked about how he tried to live. He talked about how he tried to really achieve on the sports field and how he tried to avoid um, failure in other areas of his life. He talked about that striving. He was really trying to do life well, to live by the Ten Commandments, to try and keep them. But it was all very much in his own strength. He was saying how his understanding of God was that God was a God of rules and regulations, and that he felt he sort of needed to earn God's love constantly. He had this concept of God, but he didn't have an experience of him. And as I was listening to him, I was just thinking, gosh, you just, you just need to experience the love of God. Because when we experience the love of God, it changes everything. God is love. He doesn't just love us. He doesn't just show love. He is love. So when we experience God, we experience love. 
A few years ago, I was um, involved in a, an Alpha course, and I was on the weekend away where we invite the Holy Spirit to come. And I was praying for this one girl called Kate. And I was just praying for her, just quietly, just, you know, Lord, just fill her with her, your Holy Spirit. And she just sat there, and she had this amazing experience, this incredible encounter. And she just kept saying to me afterwards, it's real, isn't it? It's real, isn't it? He's real, isn't it? It's true, isn't it? Like over and over, like seriously, it was over and over and over again to the point I was a bit like, yeah, yes it is, time for lunch. But she had this experience, this encounter of God's love. And I didn't grow up going to church. When I was um, 15, a guy came into my school assembly and he started talking about Jesus. He started talking about the Holy Spirit. And this guy, um, we'll refer to him as John, just... Well, that was his name, so I, I, I don't really see it's my place to change it. Um, so John comes into my school, and he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. And I was just interested. I was intrigued. I think I was intrigued with him. There was something about him, what he carried, how he communicated. I thought, you're really interesting. But it was also what he said. And he invited us to a service at the local church on a Saturday night. So it turns out that this guy was on a mission trip from Wycliffe Bible College. He was doing a week with the local church. So I took a friend with me for backup um, to the service on Saturday night. I would never normally have done that kind of thing before. And I went to the service, and if I'm really honest, it was a bit, it was a bit rubbish. It was a bit cringy. It was a bit, it was a bit naff. And actually, I sat there thinking, oh, oh, God, oh, you're trying really hard, but this is a little bit embarrassing, a little drama and things like that. But there was something in what they said that really arrested me. There was something in what they said that I just thought, this resonates as truth. And there was an opportunity, John said, would anyone here like to give their lives to Jesus? And I said, yeah, actually, I'm going to do that. So I prayed the prayer and uh, spoke with John afterwards. He introduced me to the youth worker who was the, just a volunteer at the church there. And uh, in a conversation with her, I was politely sort of uh, chatting. But you know when someone's saying, oh, you know, do you want to come to the youth group? And I'm saying, yes. But actually, I'm thinking, no way. I don't want to come to youth group. I'm not really interested in church. But um, I just sort of said, you know, thanks so much. And then I went home. And on my way home, I remember praying. And I remember saying, God, if you're there, if you, if you know me, then show me. And the next day, I was actually just doing a bit of homework and things like that, like a good girl. Probably a bit late, actually. Probably asked for extension. Not that good. Um, and I remember having the radio on and listening to this song. And there was this song by a band called Banderas. I don't suppose anybody <laughs> has any recollection. No, didn't think so. It's because I'm getting old. And um, the lyrics of this song, they were no Shakespeare, but the lyrics were, this is not a story. This is not a book. This is your life. And it goes on to sort of say, there's in the bridge... You can Google it. Honestly, it's actually quite comical. There's no rehearsal, no second chance. And as I was listening to this song, I was thinking, gosh, this would, be, this would be a good one to sing in church. This would be a good one to be able to get people thinking about the meaning of life, the purpose of life, that this is not a story, this is not a book. This is your life. And um, anyway, I decided that I would go along to this youth group on the Sunday um, on the Sunday night, because I knew that this team were going to be there for one last time before they headed back to Oxford. So I turned up, not knowing who was going to be there, and there was about 10 young people in the room. I knew some of them. Some of them were in my school. Partly I was a bit like, gosh, what are you doing here? And they're like, what are you doing here? Because I wasn't really the sort of person that would turn up to a church youth group. And, um, and anyway, various things happened. I remember there was one girl talking about how she'd suffered with spinal arthritis since she was 12. And now at the age of 17, she'd been healed. 
She was talking about the Holy Spirit and how God had healed her. And I didn't know whether I was to be fascinated by this or freaked out by it. Anyway, so I stayed. Towards the end of the, um, the evening, John then just says, right, now we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. So we all stood, held out our hands, closed our eyes. I actually kept mine open a little bit because I was like, I just want to keep my wits about me. Um, not really sure what's going to be happening here. So I sort of closed, I squinted. And, um, and it was really interesting. Different people were giving these words of knowledge, these bits of information that they felt like God was speaking to them about. And then different ones were responding. And as something was shared, you know, I feel like God is saying this, I would be thinking, oh, who's going to open up to that one? Who's going to open up to this one? And then at one point, John said, um, I think somebody here wants to sing in church. Nobody owned up. I just thought, oh, must have got that one wrong. And so, um, and that was that. And then afterwards, he said to me, did you, did you feel anything? Did you sense anything whilst we were praying? I said, oh, no, not really, but just, just peace. And I did. I had this very gentle sense of God's peace. I went home. The next morning, Monday morning, I woke up and I went from being fast asleep to fast awake straight, straight away. It was like I went from spiritually asleep to spiritually awake in an instant. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I had this amazing experience, this encounter with God. And I can only describe it as this um, incredible joy, this incredible love that I never experienced before. And I didn't quite know what to do with myself. I remember being in my bedroom thinking, oh my goodness, you know, he's real, just like Kate was, <laughs> Kate was saying, he's real, this is real. And I felt in this, all, all in one instant, I felt like, um, although I didn't hear an audible voice, I felt like God was saying to me, that word that was given last night about somebody here wants to sing in church, that was because you were thinking about that song, those lyrics, and it all kind of, it was like a domino effect. All these things kind of clicked together in one place, and I had this experience of the Holy Spirit. And and it just made me want to tell others about the experience of God. I went and told my family that I'd become a Christian. One of them said, oh, that's youthful enthusiasm. I give it two years. Um, but that was 30 years ago. I'd experienced the presence of God. I'd encountered his love. In verse 11, it says, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. Wonders of God were proclaimed. When we get a revelation of God's love, when we get a revelation of who he is, our response is to worship. Our, our, our worship is a response to a revelation of who Jesus is and his love for us. So by his spirit, we can encounter his presence, we can experience his love, and thirdly, we can expect God's power it says in verse 14, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost resulted in the disciples being empowered and equipped to tell others when I experienced the presence of God, the love of God in my room, it was, it was probably about nine o'clock in the morning. And I wasn't, it wasn't like I was in a room where there was lots of emotionalism or hype. I was there by myself. But I experienced and encountered the love of God. And my response was like, I wanted to tell other people. And they weren't a crowd of rowdy drunks. They were a crowd of witnesses to the fact that God had raised Jesus to life. Peter spoke boldly. 
The Holy Spirit fills us, not just for ourselves, but for other people. It wasn't just about the 120 that were in the room, but it was about the whole world. And when we become Christians, here we go, health and safety. Where's Chu? She gets a bit nervous at this point. It's all right, Chu, you're all right. When we become Christians, we have like the fire in us. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And he's always in us. He's, he's ne- he never goes out. So even this guy that I was talking about who was struggling with his, his mental health issues over anxiety and striving, you know, wherever he's at in his relationship with the Lord, he, the fire of God, the Holy Spirit is always within him, even if, it's, even if it's quite dim. But when the Holy Spirit fills us, this is what happens. We receive the power of God, the fire of God, the passion of God. I'm going to turn it off now. Let's get a little bit nervous. I slept terribly last night, really worried about that. Um, and that's what the Holy Spirit does when he fills us. And he wants to do that with, for us today. He wants to fill us with his power so that we're not functioning on this low flame but actually that we're burning brightly, passionately, um, not just for the sake of us and our relationship with God, but for the sake of the world. One flame can set other things on fire, can set other people on fire. And God is not content with this just staying in the church. This is not just about the church. This is not just about us, but this is about the whole world, the whole world experiencing his presence, encountering his love and expecting his power that brings life and change and transformation to the world. And God's Holy Spirit is for everyone. There's no exclusions in here. It says the wind of the Spirit filled the whole, the whole house, the whole house. That's everyone. It says the tongues of fire rested on each of them. That's everyone. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's everyone. It says in verse 17, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. That's everyone, regardless of gender. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, both men and women, regardless of age. Your young men will um, dream, uh, your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. It isn't just for back then. It wasn't just for there. It's for here. It's for now. So today, my encouragement to you is to open your hearts to what God wants to pour in. He's a generous God. He wants to pour out his spirit on you today. And it's a gift. And what what do you do with a gift? You receive it. You receive the gift. Ask and you will receive. It's a promise. Ask and you will receive. It will be given to you. If you ask for the Holy Spirit today, you will receive him today. In Jesus' name, amen.